Roland, number one. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to the Pestle. Reviewing and breaking down the movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Goose and Maverick. Let's kick the tires and light the fires. Welcome, everybody, to the Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Jumbo Jim's Grape Scotch. It's newer, therefore it's better. <laughs> Drink Jumbo Jim's new grape scotch. <laughs> Welcome to the Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And I almost screwed that up. Already. And Five I haven't even begun to screw up this show yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you're one shot in. I'm one shot in. Of? Five. Yeah. Plus a cocktail. <laughs> Which you've been sipping on. I've been sipping. Yeah. And so... This is the Pestle, where we like to analyze and break down and get really technical on films. And along with, you know, is it a good movie and all the usual crap that comes with reviews. Today, though, <laughs> we are doing... We're going to do the crap. The, the crap. This is The Room, <laughs> which has become known as the worst movie of all time. Yeah. And Thanks to the disaster artist. Right. Yeah, right. it's definitely helped us. Which has revived it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess revive is revive. the right word. Revive. Uh, it's definitely it was, been that, that that means that it was living at one right. point. <laughs> and so, if you haven't seen the room, <laughs> don't no. Do not go tell these good people to go watch this movie. I can't. Just listen to what we're saying before you see it. This is the only time we're going to tell you you want spoilers for this because there are no spoilers because there is absolutely no story. It's so bad. <laughs> it's like it's it's fantastic. The only thing you could maybe spoil is how bad it is. Like if you don't want to yeah. know, like if you if you were to go watch Ace Ventura after it had been out for two years, that maybe isn't as fun of an experience because of. You already know all the catchphrases. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so maybe in that sense, it could be spoiled. I don't know, man, because <laughs> because I saw The Disaster Artist, and before I saw The Room, it wasn't much that was spoiled for no, me. that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't much that they could say where I was just like, oh, man, what a twist, or, oh. <laughs> didn't see that coming, see that because you real. can't see any Everything of it coming. Everything you thought was going to happen happened a bunch of different <laughs> times. And so in the room with us, we have Scott Garrett Graham and Sean Alexander Hill. Hi, guys. Hi there. <laughs> These are uh, uh, two-fourths of my band, uh, mm -hmm. Kiona. That uh, and with you played together for a while makes three fours. Well, yeah, but another they're two. two they're yeah. two of the four. Yeah, He's and the bro and and, and the other brother Graham couldn't make it. Scott and mm. and Matt are brothers, and and uh, he couldn't make it tonight. But we're so glad to have these guys in the room. They have seen the this the room uh, more than probably. I mean, I I hope anyone. Yeah. Maybe. How many times have you seen it, Scott? Oh man. Uh... Get closer, get closer think, to the mic. Man, I think... Eat the mic, buddy. Five. Yeah, you gotta eat Sorry. that shit. <clears throat> I think realistically, five, maybe six times? Dude! I know, I know. I'm what? Not I'm not five? proud of this. This is... This is what? That just blew my mind. Well, I saw it the first time in, with friends in L.A., and then immediately bought the DVD, which made it... <laughs> which is your first mistake. Two more times <laughs> Actually, by myself. Second. <laughs> and then I had to show people... Wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just say you've watched this movie by yourself? That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Uh, 
<laughs> I would rather you be drinking alone. Actually, no, that's not true. No, okay. did not see this by myself. I can actually honestly say that no. Okay, thank, thank the Lord. All right. Anyway, and 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 Sean. Well, I think this movie is like drinking alone. Um, you know, you put it on, you're like, yeah, I know. You this have to is get closer be, to the you're microphone. Gonna be, this is the most entertaining thing, just because there is no way to go with this. You you could. You could say, oh, it's going to go a certain way, X, Y, Z, but you'll always be disappointed every single time. Yeah. And every time somebody laughs off a story that's supposed to be so serious or a line's not delivered the way that anyone would ever think that could ever be pulled off without everybody laughing everybody off the scene just every over and over and over. You have to wonder how this thing actually came to pass. Well, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So wait a minute. When's your next... So, oh, we got to set the stage. Yeah, we got to set the stage here. What just happened at the beginning of this episode? I took a shot of Jack Daniels. Oh, dear God. I've lined up four additional shots. Okay. And a Jack and Coke, just to wash it down. <laughs> <laughs> Texas and, honey, Jack. And, and, and what is prompting you to take a, a drink each so time? So, this is a show where we like to get technical and really try to dive in and analyze story structure and themes and the technical aspects of filmmaking itself and you're analyzing the room you have to be have drunk to, be <laughs> to get through it well then you need another shot my friend i need four more okay well let's take number two Ooh, all right and these are and folks these are not like small shots these are to the entire brim. to the literal brim full shot glasses not you know they're not like oh they were oh. doing number three there it is all right Man, I give you six minutes. Uh, I give you six minutes. No, no, we're are doing, you doing them all. We're doing them all. Let's get this over oh, with. God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is exactly what I tell my son when he takes medicine. I'm like, just take, just boom, like a band aid. <laughs> oh, he just he just took <laughs> a knee. He just took a knee. He took a knee. Just uh, drop it. You got one more. Oh dear there God! Is, there it is, folks. All right. And wow. I wanted, straight. I wanted to do this live just because. It hopefully may be entertaining to hear me get drunk as the show progresses. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so as we Nothing descend else. into Hades, Absolutely. the fires get brighter and hotter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I, I love what we're going to probably end up doing is, is analyzing some, some like, like, uh, minutia stuff at the beginning. And then it's just going to be broad. Like, man, this was a movie. <laughs> And this is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> There's going to be no ability to, dr- to drill down by the time we get to about 25 minutes. I don't know what you mean. I feel fine. <laughs> Again, six minutes I give you. Uh, right. Yeah, that's I, probably and, true. And, 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 I don't yeah, drink a lot, by the I'm, way. Don't know. And I'm drinking coffee. So I'm, <laughs> You're the I'll be, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be the, the, the sober one in the room. Uh, so today we'll be discussing, well, first, Wes gets drunk and ruins the show. We'll talk Which about is written down. <laughs> I wrote that into, wrote the, show. That into the show notes. Run down. It's in the minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in the minutes. <laughs> and we'll talk about the failures of the room and all of that encompasses because I yeah. think there's a lot you can point to as to why this is a bad movie. Um, and I don't know, so much more. I'm going to be wasted. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll let you know. Actually, you'll find out when you edit it tomorrow. That's true. Okay. I'm, I don't think I'm editing this with four people in the room. Oh, no. That's a freaking <laughs> no, no, nightmare. Yeah, we're yeah. just going to put it up. Yeah, this is... Whatever happens... I apologize <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, <laughs> for what's I about to happen. I think there needs to be reasons to understand why it's 
one of the best worst movies. Yeah, that I want to get into that. One so of let's, the best worst movies. Let's let's jump into the synopsis really quick. So many stupid movies and go. <laughs> hmm, okay. All right, you're already sidetracking the show. Hold on, <laughs> we're gonna get into the synopsis of it. I'll do it. All right. Uh, so I, how did we write it? How did you write a synopsis, dude? In two sentences. How did you put this movie in two sentences? I think Tommy did this in IMDb. I'm just copying IMDb. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I was like, you, you put effort into this? God, why? Wow. No. Johnny is a successful banker. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I can read this without, without laughing already. Uh, Johnny is a successful banker who lives happily in a San Francisco townhouse with his fiance Lisa. One day, inexplicably, he gets she gets bored with him and decides to seduce his best friend, Mark. From there, nothing will be the same again. Written and directed by Tommy Wiseau, Wiseau starring Tommy Wiseau as Johnny, Greg Sestero as Mark, Juliet Danielle, two first names, uh, as Lisa, and Philip Haldeman as Denny. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny, what's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. What? <laughs> that's, that's it. That's all, all you get. That's all you need. That's all you people get. Wow. Like, what? Okay. what? I did not hit her. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Oh, hi. Uh, so, oh, hi, Mark. I walked out. So I saw this for the first time. I don't remember if it was last year or just earlier this year. Yeah, I think it was about a year ago. We had a bad movie night, and which was awesome. We watched this and Wizards of the Lost Kingdom too. Yep, um, both which, in the same night. Yeah, which one was first? Do you remember? I don't. Uh, I think it was the. Mm, I think it was. I think it was Wizards actually. Because how do you two. wash off the room two. to watch another bad one? Uh, or maybe it was two separate nights, and I I'm think just missing two separate nights. Because I think this is another tangent, maybe. But uh, we did the room, and I think we did maybe rapping. With Mario Van Peebles, yeah, which is a great, <laughs> horrible movie, which you all should watch. And then I think later we did Wizards of the Lost Kingdom and, I don't know, something. Okay. So I, I remember watching it the first time, and it was just fun, right? We were laughing, we are poking fun at it. I don't remember it affecting me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, right here. We watched it again uh, this past Wednesday, which was like three days ago. Mm. And I remember sitting through that, and I'll just read you what i texted uh a friend and i said she she asked you know let me know how it was, and I was like <laughs> it was somehow worse the second time i forgot just how bad it all is literally i literally felt like i should never make anything ever again because i couldn't remember what good movies look like <laughs> and if i was even capable of making one i gazed into the abyss and it gazed into me. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's, it's so funny that you had that feeling because I had the exact same feeling right. watching it as well. <laughs> like, oh, I know what good lighting looks like. I know what a good camera angle looks like or what a good line is. But my God, there's absolute zero of any of that in any mo moment of this film. And so when you're watching just this, oh, you put it perfectly, abyss of... Of like I don't even know horror. What, yeah, horror. You're thinking there's no way there's a god, right? And like, how do I come back from this? There's no way. I cannot unsee it. You can't do you it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And I really did. I felt 
I, and I'm not exaggerating that. I really felt like maybe I shouldn't create anymore. Yeah. And it was just so bad that I, I couldn't remember what good movies are and what does it mean to make a good movie? What's the difference between what I'm watching now and the stuff that I'm making or want to make? I, it all just blended seamlessly in together into this whirlwind of uh, ethereal shit. <laughs> it was just, it was a horrifying experience <laughs> in my core. I came home and the media was like, I need to watch something, anything. Yeah, and what did you watch actually to, to I, cleanse it? I'm you, just curious. I started watching the documentary. Frozen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We watched Cars because we got that. Yeah. <laughs> I started watching that documentary, The Farthest uh, Voyager. Oh, yeah, the Voyager. Yeah, that I recommended. Yeah. Mm, and that really helped. I was like, okay, there's good pr- production value. <laughs> yeah. There's a through line. <laughs> <laughs> it was cohesive yeah. and beautiful in parts. Yeah. Um, and it just made me feel human again. Honestly, <laughs> had a start and a finish. Yeah. Not when I'm drinking my coffee. Man. <laughs> What what was your takeaway walking uh, not walking out I mean I mean yeah crawl out I, I of that mean, thing like like I said I had the same feeling and it was funny because it was completely independent I, I think that we I don't know if we have, we mentioned it throughout the night but like <clears throat> I, I was sitting there watching this thinking and I and I realized and we talked about this yeah. like what we do when we watch movies right is is not always but a lot of times you um, at least us we look at it and we think. We think, man, that was a beautiful shot. Or if there's a moment where they were taken out a little bit of the movie for whatever reason, you think, oh man, I would have done this. Or, or man, that was great, but ah, they, they kind of, I wish that they would have done whatever. There was no moment where my brain could go anywhere to make it better because it was that bad. Meaning, like, like, okay, the actual room where they're in, they spend ninety percent of their time. It was so obviously like built and so poorly lit. I mean, it was daylight coming in from one side. It was it was <laughs> nightlight coming in from another side. So you had tungsten on one side and you had blue light coming from. It was ridiculous. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, I don't even know where to start with this. It was, you know what it was like? It was very much like those those nailed it pictures that you look up. All right. If you, you just Google nailed it. And and you'll see like these hilarious things, like a like a beautiful cake that's in the shape of a minion or something, and someone tries to make it, and it's like this melted, yeah, you know, deformed minion. This, these Pinterest fails right. where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to take this beautiful picture of my daughter, uh, my baby daughter who's laying on this nice furry carpet uh, that you see in you know some kind of digest magazine, and you try to recreate it, and it's like a little girl, unkempt hair. Kind of strung out over shag carpet because you wouldn't yeah. sit still. Looks nothing like it. No depth, no beautiful lighting. It's just like you did it in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a mess for me, and and I felt exactly the same as you did. Yeah, Scott, why why did you rush out and buy it? You said you rushed out and bought it right away. I mean, rush is a strong. He word. ran. <laughs> you ran, Mofo. You ran. I don't know. I know I was, you. It was, well. Todd can attest, but we we both lived in L.A. for a while. Yeah, back in the early 2000s, and I we both saw the same billboard above Sunset for three years that this man had rented out to promote this shitty movie. Yeah. Excuse my French. <laughs> Sorry, it's fine. PG. All right, right. it's all right. And it was just so confusing to see this billboard on Sunset the whole th- like th- three or four years. I don't know. It was so long. And no one knew anything about it. No one knew what it was for. 
No one knew it was a movie. It was just this thing. And then when I finally saw the movie years later, when I was visiting back in LA, it like everything started clicking. It was like, oh, it's because of this and that because of that. Yeah. Oh, and then seeing how horrible it is, yet how hysterical it is, it just like created this magic that I was like, I have to own this. <laughs> <laughs> and then because you already felt connected with it, having seen the billboard outside your window for right. three years. Yeah, and plus growing up with friends who all love bad movies, mm. this is like. Oh, yeah. Cream of the crop here. <laughs> I guess I grew up liking bad movies without knowing at the time that I liked bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> because I grew up on so many B-horror films, and so I just became accustomed to like, oh, I really love this movie, and it's just a lack of options. Mm. But as you grow up, like this past year, I've watched one or two of those films that I grew up on. I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. It's tastefully awful. <laughs> there there are some gems out there. <laughs> Catwoman. Let's, let's oh, go. Oh, dear God. I haven't sat through that whole thing before. <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink. You know, you know. Uh, there's another example of a billboard success, <clears throat> um, and I, I guess we can call this a success. But th- like, there's some, there's some, you know, kind of lore behind uh, the room because of the billboard thing, right? Like that made it kind of like mysterious a little bit. Um, like, what is this thing, and why is it still there? Why is it there? All, you know, and I have no idea what it is. Is it a movie? It looks like a movie, but when's it coming out? It's been up there for two years. Um, uh, back in the '60s, Grand Funk Railroad uh, bought billboards all over. Uh, I forgot where are they from. I forgot. Um, well, this the city where they're from. They bought billboards all over the place, and all the billboards said was the railroad's coming. That's it. That's all it said. And um, and it was like, <clears throat> I guess it was several months, maybe even a year before their record came out, their first record. And then it hit and they blew up. But it there was a, mis- a mystery behind it. Like, what is this? Is you it know? a porn? Is, yeah, what the is railroad. The rail- <laughs> <laughs> it's the 60s. I'm okay, not sure they bad. thought it was a porn. <laughs> well, in the same vein. <laughs> in the same vein, uh, my mom told me, that the Beatles did the same thing. Really? Before they came over to play their first shows with Ed Sullivan, there were billboards and whatnot that said the Beatles are coming. Whoa. And everyone was dude. like, what are the Beatles? What is what is the Beatles? Oh, oh, my God. And they finally came. They're like, oh, that's... You know, and then, billboards. It's where it's at, guys. <laughs> it's America's advertisement, man. And how ironic is that, uh, that he made the worst movie and... Banking now. Yeah, yeah. And can we can we talk about for a second, like how how many people had to be on the same page of we're we're gonna make the worst movie we possibly can. I mean the the whole, like the cast, the crew, everybody uh, but Tommy. Everybody but Tommy. Exactly. Everybody but Tommy was was had to be either completely inept or uh, apathetic mm-hmm. or just like. No, this was a team failure. And yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, <laughs> you, you have to hold the director accountable. Demolition. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hold the that. director uh, accountable for any film, whether it's good or bad. You ultimately say the director made it so because yeah. he allowed it or he didn't steer it back in the right direction. He didn't correct the script when I was in the scripting phase. Yep. At every point of the way, the director is the man. And so whenever you look at something like this, you do have to say that ultimately it's his responsibility, but yes, at the same time, nobody was trying to make, cause it's not like, Oh, you know what? It was a bad script, but those, the set design looks amazing. And 
it's yeah. really well lit and all these sweet motivated camera movements and that all none there was none of that there right there's no diversity in the camera work uh through at least two-thirds of the film there's no depth even it's but all there, like there is four sex scenes there is <laughs> Two of them are in like the first ten minutes, yeah. <laughs> and they're very long, yeah, very oh uncomfortably God, long. So very long. Yeah, but you know, yeah, poor, and, no. poor Lisa. Uh, oh my God! So in the, can we talk about the disaster hours? Bring this in. Uh, let's leave that out. We may cover that at a later point. I don't know. I'm in the. I'm on the fence. Uh, just but because that's the whole reason we're doing this. The, all right, go for it. No, go ahead. No? Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Um, and I'm not giving anything away. But it didn't it seem like to you that like the the script supervisor and the DP were like trying to do something good? It seemed like it, but I couldn't find that script supervisor in the credits. I don't know if he was a fabricated piece of the story for the sake oh, okay. of having another voice of, for the audience or not. I don't know. But it seemed like that in the film that they were telling, yes, that is definitely the way it seemed. Um, but at the same time, he... But if he's not credited on the... Yeah, I didn't see him whenever we watched it the other night. We're looking through the credits. I didn't even see a script uh, script supervisor in there. I I neglected to see that as well. It hasn't started yet. (laughs) You got the bottle somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) You're out of shots up there, my friend. Uh, Yeah. Tommy uh, didn't think about that part of the, the crew. No. But that's the other thing is even... If they had been trying to make it better, which by all accounts, it doesn't look like they were, (laughs) he, and this is the weird thing trying to dissect Tommy, it seemed like he had so much ego for someone who didn't know what he was doing, which granted isn't a common, uh, an uncommon thing, but he doesn't project the presence of this condescending jerk of a human being, but you know, he kind of carries this carefree, worry-free, you know, just live in the moment kind of persona. But then at the same time, anytime he was challenged, anytime someone said he didn't know what he was doing, that ego flared up. That's and the question, from where does the sensitivity come? Like, why is, he, why, does he, why is he so, you know, inept in so many ways, but feels like, hey, you know, I can write a story, I can tell a story. You know, where's that coming from? That's true. I mean, I think narcissism ultimately does say that I'm capable, more than capable than anyone around me, mm-hmm. and therefore I don't really need their opinion. Yeah. But I still – so, yeah, maybe it's just coming out of that place of pure hellfire narcissism. But he's obviously, you know – He's caring, like, like caring. He's a giver. I mean, he took care of Greg, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot, you know. Well, There's like a good moment in, in The Disaster Artist where the crew is talking over – the idea of the movie at lunch and they're like well, so what do you think this is about what what is the room and everyone has their own opinion and one girl's like well she has a like, very insightful moment but it's like well this is this and this and this and they're like well what do you think lisa is and you're like well that's the universe for him that's everything that's gone against him and told him no you can't have this and no you're this isn't going to work for you yeah so i thought that was that was pretty probably the most profound poignant, moment yeah. in the whole Disaster artist movie, profound, but it makes yeah, so yeah. much sense of like trying to dissect Tommy as a a writer and director, and it's like he's just I don't know. I mean, some people are just the the type that the the whole fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. They just embrace that, mm-hmm. you know. Like as long as I don't let on that I don't know what I'm doing, you know, 
then I then I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And and to a fault. So they so if there's ever a moment where they feel a little inept, they get wound up inside and they get they start out lashing out, you know. But that's just because of their own insecurity, you know. And obviously he had zero experience directing. He had zero experience writing. And and on zero experience acting. Really. Um, what was crazy is his his ambition. Get closer his, to the His mic. ambition said, you know, it, it doesn't matter that I I don't know these these X Y Zs. I I can go from so many different other angles of artistry and self expression that I think people will catch on to, and people did catch on to. I mean, look look what happened. Yeah, but but they caught on to it because it was so bad. And it wasn't his. It wasn't his intention. It even though he that says it, was it is bad, it was that it was it was it was inept for the time. People people wanted entertainment. They didn't want somebody to put everything their whole just their whole experience out there in a weird way. They needed pop culture, and they were not going to get that well, from this movie. So, so the reason why this movie blew up is, isn't. It's because it, okay. He made this movie to be a good movie. Right. right. It was he, sincere. It was yeah, sincere. Absolutely. No matter what he says, and now he comes out and says, oh, I made this funny movie. No. No. You made a serious movie, right. and you don't want people to – This is it. he doesn't want people to think he's inept, mm-hmm. and he's not capable of it. So he completely changes everything and, and says, no, this is what I intended. Um, but if he had intended on making a funny movie – it would have been bad comedy, bad comedy, <laughs> which would have been completely different, mm-hmm. completely different because it was it's it's because it was supposed to be good, dramatic and that full of these human emotions. Yes. Yes. So like like you, Scott. Troll two, right? Another another wonderful, wonderful movie, right? Well, in the category of, of great bad movies, right, is a totally different style totally different caliber great bad movie right than this yeah yeah yeah, right because like there was a a little bit of poking fun about how bad it is which troll 2 was one of the films i grew up watching yeah (laughs) right for fun yeah because you liked it yeah because you thought it was bad correct i as a little kid i mean i was i don't judge my parents, but as a little kid, and I don't mean like a 12-year-old, I mean like a five, six-year-old, uh, I was watching like Alien, Aliens, Troll. Wow. I loved the first Troll, which made me want to watch Troll 2. Um, I haven't seen either one of those in a very long time, but I've seen Troll 2, uh, Best Worst Movie uh, documentary, which I was like, oh my God, I didn't remember it being that bad. Yeah. Did your parents tell you that there was no trolls in it? So no, that's right. There were goblins. <laughs> but here's what messed right. me up as a kid watching this, and I need to rewatch it just to, or maybe not, maybe scroll <laughs> <laughs> through it. No, it's, worth it. it's worth it. <laughs> but as a kid, I remember even saying, uh, for the first chunk of the movie, it sounded like they were saying Nilbog. Nilbog. But, but at a certain point, they say, oh, this is Neil. Uh, they look in the, the rearview mirror, and it's like, Oh, it's not Neil Bog, it's Goblin spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I thought they'd been saying Milbog the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but the, but the point is that this movie was supposed to be good to Tommy. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be good, and it, nothing about it was good. And there's, there's a, almost like, a, a, like a, a lore to that, like, a, like a, a, oh, I have to see this because this 
it's this person thought this there's a person on this planet that thought that this was awesome (laughs) whoa i have to see that and it's it's kind of sadistic of us right to watch something only to mock someone's passionate efforts i mean that on some level I'm, i'm on the inside saying i kind of feel like a bad person um but at the same time i feel like he's taking it with the right grain of salt like he's been able to turn it to his favor so i don't feel too bad but there is a part of me that says man if i made a a sincere effort and it only came out as a comedic punchline that that would be goodbye west yeah no (laughs) you you would never do that no you would never make make a movie that you knew would be successful but that was really crappy I know you. You'd never do that. That's true. Even I wouldn't put it out. It would, even if you knew it would be successful. True. No, I just wouldn't put it out. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Right. Like with Tommy, like obviously, like you said earlier, he had, I mean, no experience, no great talent in acting. So he doesn't have that, like that eye or that ear or anything. He doesn't have anything. And he didn't want to listen to anybody that did. Right. Oh, well, mm-hmm. quote unquote did. Yeah. Yeah. So... Clearly, when he released it, he was like, this is great. Yo, this is great. I love it. <laughs> Just like that. Can't wait for people. But you know what? I mean, I've, I've seen this happen. I've seen, yeah. you know, filmmakers create oh, something yeah. that they're really proud of and uh, screen it or uh, send, send the link over. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I don't know what to say about this. Yeah. And so in those moments, I don't lie to people. I'm not going to tell you I, I, you know, I'm crazy about your work if I'm not. Um, and so in those cases, I usually just kind of don't say anything <laughs> like, Oh, it looks like you worked really hard or whatever. Um, anything that keeps me, cause you, you do, you also want to look at the positive because there's so much negative you can take away from the room, but you know what? That guy made a movie. Yeah. That's, he made a freaking movie. He spent $6 million allegedly Jesus. making this so movie, six, $6 million. That's so frustrating. And it made 1800. <laughs> On yeah, on its the, the first two weeks of release, yeah. Okay, eighteen hundred. <laughs> but since then, I wonder how much he's made. I mean, I, he's doing well. They wrote a book, and you know, that's one thing how, I really was impressed with Greg Sestero, who wrote the book, The Disaster Artist, which the movie is based off of. But like how he, I think, turns the story around and like finds like the the silver lining and yeah. like, the the positiveness to it. Yeah. And like you know what? Yeah, it's crap, but. You made this, and people yeah. love this, and people are finding joy in this. You're right, and there's that moment in the in the film when he's standing in the back at, during the the screening, and everybody's laughing, and he's he's like breaking down, and Greg's like, "Dude, it, you put everything into this, and look, look how much joy you're giving people, mm-hmm. and how much joy is he giving us? And we had a great time we really watching did. this movie. We, we were, were talking dying. about it on a podcast. We're, we're <laughs> podcasting on it because we just watched it. Did Hitchcock get a response like this? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Definitely not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's a thing that at the beginning of the, their screening in the film, uh, The Disaster Artist, He's, they show the Wizzow logo and then they show another Wizzow logo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what does he tell him? What does he lean over? He's like, yeah, I have two logos. <laughs> oh, they got two. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. But you know what? New Line used to do that. New Line oh, Cinema. Oh, yeah, you said that. Um, I used to watch their films and uh, I don't know if they're still putting stuff out or if they... Because when I just saw... Billy up or not. A thing. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. But I know there's... 
I used to watch those films and I'd be like, God, they're going to do another logo again. And they would do it. It was predictable. I knew every time uh, you'd see their two film strips kind of flying into the frame and oh, then yeah. one going kind of uh, catty corner on top of the other. Oh. And then they'd repeat it. The exact same logo. At least Wizow had two separate <laughs> <Yeah>. bumpers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two different logos. Yeah. <laughs> to keep you entertained. Unbelievable. Oh, and he shows it to you at the end of the movie, too. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> but I think just one, not two. Just no, one. just that's one true. at the it's end of the favorite. credits. And yes, we watched through the end of the credits. It's subtlety. It's the subtlety. Yes. He knew that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the other impressive thing wait was... A minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's the bottle? Um, oh. This? How you doing, brother? I am... I don't know. I think I'm feeling it <laughs> slowly All right. take, take hold. I'm just checking in. Just checking in on a brother. I mean, because here's the thing. You don't want to take five shots and be just kind of... That's true. You know, that's a lot not, of effort. That, yeah, it's a lot of effort. And a headache in the morning for nothing. It, yeah, for nothing. So, are you saying I it. need to? I mean, I'm. Re-up? I'm not. I'm not making you. I'm just. I'm presenting it. The challenge is implied. <laughs> challenge. Challenge. <laughs> oh, that's. Oh my gosh. Healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to chase it with something? No. Mm, yeah, we'll chase it with a bad movie. Okay. Hmm. Whoa. All oh, right, oh, all God. right, man. Just you're dedicated to your craft, my friend. <laughs> dedicated. I'm a method podcast. We're gonna have to make this podcast like two hours <laughs> to really get to the really full get effect. the yeah, yeah yeah. But we wanted to start you drinking it at the very beginning. You know, yes, and like, that way you can feel it by the end. Uh, hopefully, my goal honestly is to not let y'all know that I'm drunk. So if you, okay, good. So if you sense it, it's. It's legit. I'm not hamming it up. Okay. 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 Well, we can smell it in the room. So. <laughs> <laughs> what was in that? What was in that? That was just pure Jack. Oh, jeez. <laughs> horrible, horrible stories from Jack. So, um, okay, then let's do our one out of ten, zero out of ten for this film, Scott. Yeah, that's tough. I know. My, I mean, my brain is literally it's, split in half. I think it's I think it's hard. It's harder for a movie like this to kind of give it a, a one out of ten rating than it is like a really great movie because it's like okay, it's a nine or it's an eight and a half or whatever. Well, what it's you, like what it's you either this? or. It's like I give it a one because it's horrible. There's no redeeming aspect to it. It's literally a waste of your time unless you love that kind of stuff and you want to laugh your ass off, and then it's a 10. Because I recommend that to anyone that yeah. wants to watch anything like that. Because it's perfect. It's the perfect bad movie. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, so the point of a movie, right, is entertainment. Right. I think, I would I would say, it's not... Rarely is a movie made just to make a movie. Maybe documentaries sometimes. But even then, you want to make a good documentary. You don't want to like crappy documentaries. So, mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from the point of view of... I, I want to entertain. I want to be entertained for an hour and a half. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Absolutely, no question. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, it has to be one through ten. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Okay. I'll go. Okay. Please. I'll go. You can go last. Um. Yeah. Oh God, this is painful. Just this is this. It. This hurts. I don't know why I even brought this up because I just. <sighs> uh. Okay, I had like I like said as said before, I had the same visceral reaction that you did mm-hmm. in that 
it, like I felt like it stole a piece of my soul. You know how the how the Native Americans they they didn't like to have their picture taken because they felt like it would steal your soul. Uh, I really felt like it did that. It completely sucked all the creativity out of me, and and I it it just it hurt so bad. Uh, and I was angry at the end of the night. Um, and I was entertained and I laughed, but I, there's just I cannot give it a ten. I have to go with the one. Maybe I maybe less. Maybe a point one. Uh, maybe a negative. I don't know. Actually, I'm gonna give this a complete and flat zero. I have to. I have to. There's absolutely no redeeming quality in it, um, and I'm looking for it. You know, and I even from an entertainment standpoint, I I'm laughing, and it's hilarious, and it's it's crazy that all of these people put together this horrible, horrible thing. Um, and because maybe because of that, I'm going to give it a one. I'll give it a one because everyone had to come together in just the right way to make this <laughs> as bad as it, as it is. So yeah, that's what I give it. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we can go off the scale, then I'm definitely at a zero Okay, <laughs> because of everything you said, like it stole the creativity out of me. Uh, in a way that I've, I don't know if I've ever experienced that before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's sincerely, obviously, but I just, uh, I've never experienced that before. I don't know what to do with that. It's just really disheartening as an artist to walk away feeling like nobody should be an artist. Yeah. <laughs> like me, the rest of the world. <laughs> Spielberg, you should hang it up, bro. Yeah, <laughs> man. There's no, it's, it's all been done. It's, yeah. <laughs> we've, reached, we've reached the peak or the hell. Um, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I would say definitely yeah. a zero or a one if we're staying on the scale for that reason. And I'm sure I had another thought in there, but it's gone. <laughs> ah, yes. Damn. Now we're getting there. <laughs> and Sean? What are you going to give this movie? Uh, zero to ten. This movie represents... <laughs> no, no. A zero to ten. What are you going to no. give it? This movie represents zero to ten. From zero to ten. Everything that you hope to accomplish inside of a movie happens. The worst and the best. You will cry. You will laugh. You will... Be embarrassed for yourself and all of the characters involved each and every time. So is that a zero or is that a ten or a niner? What is that? It's a niner. A niner? <laughs> a niner. All right. Because I can't give it a ten because I, I honestly do not enjoy bad movies. That's yeah. not really a fun experience for me sitting through no, intentional bad movies yeah. or, or yeah. unintentional bad movies. But I would say unintentional. I had a buddy who... My buddy Beanov sometimes likes to recommend things he hasn't actually watched or read or seen. And he'll be he'll just kind of secondhand here like, oh, this is a really good movie or this is a really good book. You should read that. Um, and he's just kind of passing on information. And one time he did that with The Wicker Man. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So many quotes. Really bad movie. I Best sat down. Movie. I sat down. The Nicolas Cage one, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Expecting to see a good movie. And I just 
kept sitting there like waiting and I was like, when is this going to be good? Yeah, this is really, this is not good. And, and when someone gives me a positive recommendation, I go in with this positive mindset, like I'm about to watch something that's, that I'm excited about. And as you're just sitting there waiting, watching everything unfold, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not really good, but okay. <laughs> Once the wicker man gets here, it's going to be really good. <laughs> there is no wicker man. There is no wicker man. Oh, and that just was a terrible. Whenever that thing finished, and I realized that was the end. Yeah, <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> I was furious. Call him up and be like, "Dude, I want my hour and a half back." And that was the last time I like stopped asking questions when he recommended something. Like, oh, if yeah. he says, "You know, go ask the Wicker Man," I, would, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, I'll trust you. I don't want to hear anything else because you know me. I don't watch previews. Yeah, yeah. If I know I'm going to watch a movie, I don't read up. I avoid." extra commentary so that I can experience it in this holistic way. And whenever he recommends something now, I'm like, okay, so did you enjoy this movie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like questioning. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous to put Nicolas Cage, who is already a maniac into a script that makes no sense. Oh and yeah. Oh yeah. Just, this is a horrible dynamic. Yeah. It really is. But it's awesome. If you like bad movies because it's it is. great. <laughs> yeah, now I really love watching like these these clips of the film because oh, yeah. they're <laughs> Why is the freaking... bird? Why is the bird? <laughs> and him just decking that chick while wearing a bear outfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Cuz when that moment happened, I'm in me I wanted to laugh, but I was like why did you just do that? <laughs> I'm still trying to you're think like looking, You're like looking to put it together, <laughs> looking for pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could see you in that moment, like thinking, like tilting your head, like whoa, mm, the gears are turning. Yeah. And so, if luckily I already knew about the room, I think around 2006, 2007, I'd heard about the room because there was an article on like Yahoo. That was saying people in New York were lining up around the block to watch this movie because it's so bad. And uh, they were, they had a little clip, video clip that they played, and people were quoting all the lines. And it was, it's funny. It's one of those little news documentaries where you know you're interviewing people who are just exiting the theater, and they're like, "Lisa, you're tearing me apart." And there's like two or three girlfriends all screaming it together, and I'm like, "That's hysterical." <laughs> okay, so here that, that's great. That's a great lead into my question then for for you guys. So I know you wouldn't want to make a or like write or make a movie that you knew was going to be bad, but that would give you success. I know that, right? But would you accept a role in a movie? That would give you success, but that was you knew was going to be really, really bad. That's interesting because three of us are actors, yes. and Sean okay. will do anything that pays money. <laughs> so, give him a dime, he'll be in your movie. I mean, maybe it might depend. Like if I if I had done some stuff that had gotten out there and was okay, and people thought it was okay, whatever. Some some sort of like previous background of an actor or whatnot, then maybe yeah. But if that no. was my first it, like, it was like, your first first thing and and you and you knew that it was going to go viral you knew that you were going to it was going to blow up somehow i don't know how but you knew that well, that's an interesting question yeah because <laughs> i'll tell you right now i absolutely would you would yeah because why the hell not i mean well, like if you were really pursuing the craft of acting and that was your first movie no one is ever going to look at you the same that's how I felt whenever I heard about The Room. I looked at those actors and I said, y'all are never working. No one's ever going to give you a shot. Yeah. Yeah. 
you're you're yeah, you're right. You maybe you're ruined. I don't know. I'm sure I mean, there's maybe, a way back maybe out. Maybe not. I mean, like Nicholas Cage keeps getting rolled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we were just we were just watching John Wick last night, and I mean, I mean, Bill and Ted was a great movie. Yeah, it was awesome. But like. He wasn't go, taken seriously. Yeah, and he wasn't taken seriously at all. Going from a role like that to like The Matrix and John Wick. I mm-hmm. mean, it's true. And it's and he gets <clears throat> and uh, Keanu Reeves gets made fun of today as an actor about stuff that he did years ago. But he still keep, puts out great stuff. He puts out great stuff, and he gets taken in for like serious roles. Yeah, so it's it's doable. Like I'll IMDb him right now because I'm in the past week I've seen him in two separate films that were like more serious yeah uh and um, they're just escaping me right now so vamp (laughs) (laughs) well i mean another another one um i mean these are bad examples because they weren't in bad movies but jim carrey Mm -hmm. is an example of a guy who's in one type of movie where all comedies and extreme out there like this is he's a one trick pony this is what he does and then he goes and does stuff like the truman show and the internal sunshine and uh uh uh, man in the moon and just completely turns everyone's opinion of him on his head uh on its head I mean, if you're that good of an actor, maybe you could do that. I mean, maybe maybe not, because it's hard, even if you've had success, no matter what kind of success, it's hard to get, you know, roles that will allow you to do that, those kinds of things. No, so. that's true. You're fighting against the against the current at that point. Um, yeah. So he played uh, a Who's therapist he? in uh, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, okay. played a therapist in To the Bone, which is a pretty serious film about uh, anorexia and food eating problems. Yeah. Um, and I thought he did a really good job in that. And he was also in the Neon Demon playing this creeper, um, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn movie oh, yeah. about the modeling industry. And he played a creepy guy in there. And that's a serious film. That's, I mean, a Nicholas Winding Refn movie is inherently a serious movie. Yeah. Um, and so he's definitely still considered, you know, to your point, like there's a way to to be on all sides of the spectrum and still work work your way back um but who who did you just reference a second ago (laughs) mike (laughs) it's all right i forgive you it's like seven shots in yeah uh uh, jim carrey (laughs) (laughs) the blank yeah just like yeah that okay You're doing a great job, man. Uh, Whiskey's oh, a hell of a not drug. completely derailed yet. We still have two. We still have one side of the train on the tracks. Uh, uh, no. So anyway, back to my point. My question: uh, Would you be in a movie that was total shit, but that you knew was going to have some kind of viral success because it was that bad? Honestly, I couldn't. I really couldn't yeah. intentionally go in with that, just because of how I know I'm too sensitive to take that kind of criticism yeah. and to walk away from it unblemished. Like I, I take myself too seriously, and there's no way for me out of that. But <laughs> what if you were halfway through it and you realized, oh, this is, mm-hmm. or you got you got cast and you did your parts first or something. You did your day first, and then and you realized it took you a week or so to realize, oh, this is really. That's really, really relevant, actually. Because that's usually what happens. That I mean, is... A lot of these really big actors, they, they get in these movies, you know, except like, I got in this, I wanted to do this movie because so-and-so was directing, but then they get in and and they realize, oh, this is not going to be good. And what do they do? They've already signed a contract. They're in it. I am also the kind of person who will honor a commitment. Yeah. 
And that I probably would. Okay. I would stick it and out. I, I backed you into a corner by giving you all these Which is good. No, no, no. That was really good because that's happened to me before oh, where yeah. a friend reached out and he's like, hey, we need someone to fill this role in this movie. Uh, do you mind stepping in? And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, because this guy cast me in my very first film I ever did um, as an actor who was still figuring out if he wanted to act or not. I started going on auditions and this guy didn't even have me read. Uh, we just met up for a, a one-on-one talk in an IHOP. He's like, man, yeah, you know, I really like your vibe, and uh, this role is yours. I'm going to still have you, you know, go through the, the audition process, but uh, it's yours. Like, don't even worry about it. And, and here's a pancake. Yeah, and so I walked in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, IHOP, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I could, I could, oh, we lost West for a little bit. Pancake's a bad word. <laughs> That's your word? That's your trigger word, pancake? Because I was, like, taking you serious. So I was like, yeah. I'm not yeah, processing anything right now. I'm just, I can only create. I can't process. That was awesome. And here's your pancake. Yeah. And it took you about five seconds. That's great. And so, yeah, I went into that audition, and, and that gave me, you know, a lot of confidence. And while I was there, I auditioned for another film that I ended up booking. And so this guy reaches out to me, you know, a few years later. And he's like, hey, you want to do this thing? So yeah, okay. I go in for the table read. You know our buddy Aaron Alexander. Oh yeah. Um, he's there. He he shows up a Can little late. Can we plug late. Office Zombies? <laughs> yeah. Can we oh plug Office Zombies? If y'all haven't seen Office Zombies, I'll post it in the show notes. Oh I, please do. It has Aaron in it. I'm in it. You're in it. Wes is in it. You great. Lead. Scott is in it. We're Scott all is in it. it. And Everyone's oh, in and it. Sean is in it. But I'm in it. Yes, you you're the hero. You're, yeah, you, you yeah. like shoot the zombie. John shirtless. Yeah. You're shirtless and you scream. I, I do scream. It's best. It's it's better that I am screaming that I am shirtless because I needed to do a little bit with my diet those days. So just look at the screen. <laughs> it was. It's really really well done. And I will say, I know we're going a little bit off topic here, but I don't I don't care because whatever. But I will say that. Um, it was completely. It was written by Wes. It was directed by Wes. Ninety percent of it was shot by Wes, uh, and uh, all of the. Uh, so our eyes. So Wes and I are zombies, and our eyes are like like this. Ho- what is it? This hollow like white. Yeah. And and he went through. Frame the entire frame. thing, yeah. frame by frame, and did eye replacement. With some help from our buddy Joe Howes at FoldingRain.com. Who's been on the Pestle before. Yes. We did uh, Scott Pilgrim with him yeah. a few weeks ago. Great movie. Oh, yeah. You should listen to that one if you haven't yet. But... um and it is, it's fantastic. And we actually watched it again yeah, last we week. we just kind of sat through it. And, and like, it's so good. <laughs> it really, really is so good. And I'm, I'm really, really, it's probably one of the things that I've acted in that I'm actually really proud of. Like, I'm probably more proud of that than anything I've ever done. You no, you're in great. That? I'm in it. You're in that? He's one of the lead yeah, roles. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Ted. <laughs> I'm Ted. You I smell are. like dried turtle balls. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. And it yeah. was funny because we had absolutely no resources. All we had was our friend Alyssa who could do makeup. Oh, yeah. Right. And I saw her. She did makeup, zombie makeup for me on another. Uh, it wasn't a film. It was uh, wedding engagement photos for our friends, Dave and uh, B, Bianca. Yeah. And she did zombie makeup on me. And so you and I sat down and we said, what can we make? And I already had this idea of like. Oh, maybe it's a zombie family getting ready for the day. And 
you like the idea of zombies in an office place, uh, but they're just still zombies at that point, and they're kind of it's playing on the idea that we're all zombies at work. And from there I spun it back into, well, no, 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 they have their humanity still. And now they're just trying to work their way back into society, <laughs> but they're zombies, but they're zombies. They're still zombies. And it's shot in like, like the, the office. It goes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's shot in like the office style where you're, it's interview style. You're talking to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so much fun to make because one, we, like I said, we had no resources. We only had someone who was badass at, uh, makeup effects, special effects. And all we had was actors. Like if you and I were in a shot, I'm grabbing an actor. We didn't even have our cameraman was sick. Like we, yeah. we Shannon was supposed to come in and help shoot, but he got sick. John had to bail out early for another project. And so we had nobody to sit and operate the camera. So I was grabbing actors. I was like, Hey, Aaron, come hold the camera yeah. at this position yeah. <laughs> and hold it there. Yeah. And he did. And so it was just a matter of cobbling together. We had no lighting. We didn't know what the hell we were doing, it was, but it, it, dude, it looks great. It's so much fun. It's so good. Anyway. So Aaron is in that. So Aaron is in that. And we're sitting down, going back to the film that he and I were cast in at the yeah. last minute and we're doing a table reading. And I sit down and I'd already read the script after I'd said yes. And my buddy sent it to me. I read the script and I said, oh, my God, this is the worst script I've ever read in my life. Wow. And they're about to spend three hundred thousand dollars producing this movie. That's some serious cash. Serious. I could do damage with a hundred K. Yeah. Give me three times the amount, and we we can make you know our way to some. Oh, let's be honest. You could do damage with ten k dancing on the sun. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. like like I mean that's that's the whole point of like of what of what we do is to be able to spread make a very little look like a very lot. Yes, right. That is you could you man if you had. If you had 300K, it would be a blockbuster style movie. Man. I honestly think we could do something pretty incredible with that kind of oh, money. Oh my gosh, yes. Because it all comes down to scripting and vision and pre production. Yep. And then at that point, you're refining, refining, refining and understanding what's working, what's not. Yep. And only the good stuff should end up making it into the, the final product. Separating the wheat from the chaff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we sit down and. I'd already read the script. We're sitting down at the table read. And if you don't know what a table read is, this is when you get all the actors who are in your film. You sit down at one big table. Uh, that's usually going to be like seven tables strung together because there's probably going to be 20 or 30 actors. You have your leads all kind of clumped together because they have the most lines. And if you're, and different actors take a table read differently. Some people take it very seriously. They're going to be in character. They've already done their study work. They're trying to deliver a performance. And then other actors are just like, I'm just trying to get through the today. You know, like, I don't really care. The performance is a separate thing. That's not what this is. And I sit there knowing this is a terrible script. You're just trying to get through it. I'm just trying to get through it. <laughs> okay. And I don't have a lot of lines anyway. I have like, I don't know, six lines that come two thirds of the way into the movie. And I am just depressed and upset with life and how unfair it is i don't like when you watch the room with six million dollars in production yeah he makes that garbage yeah you son of a bitch <laughs> godless son of a bitch godless. warrior go watch, go watch warrior and i'm sitting there and i i'm almost it looks probably like i'm either really upset or i'm falling asleep it's kind of hard to tell because i have my 
head resting on my hand and I'm flipping through the pages just kind of furiously. Yeah. Um, as people are going around the table, I'm hearing part of this film has to do with like African royal royalty in Texas going to school and protesting uh, through online blogs about what the government is doing in their section of the world. And this made up okay. African country. Yeah. And you can already hear how awful um, this is. I already don't like it. And, <laughs> and the lead is like doing the worst African accent. Oh gosh. In the world. It's so bad. And that's just more upsetting. And, uh, I look up about halfway through and see, Oh, Aaron got here. His scene is the very first scene of the movie. So he had already missed his scene, <laughs> but he's a professional. He's going to uh, sit there anyway, uh, at a courtesy. And I look up about, and when I see him, he's already looking at me and I'm like, and we almost die laughing, <laughs> which has been our history. You know, it, we met on set being actors in various films in that same director's film. Uh, we were, we were in his, uh, very first short film together and we just struggled to get through every scene. And so every, that's kind of our history is when we get on scene, trying to be serious is nearly impossible. And so whenever I look up and we're just on the edge of dying, uh, and he starts mocking me, he's doing what I'm doing. He's like shoving his face into his hand. <laughs> and as bad as I knew it was, I still showed up on the day of the, the scene trying to do, you know, good Best work. Yeah. yeah. And it's frustrating when you're, as you're running through your lines, you're hearing the director and the DP talk and the DP is telling the director, I bet I can light this without setting up a single light. <laughs> Why is that a goal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why do you not want to use the stuff that you have here to make it look better? WTF mate. Like I mean, what are we doing? Oh, but we don't need to do shit, right? <laughs> it's not the remnant. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no, there's, there's a time and place to, to, you know, try to skimp. Right. But if you got 300 K, Use a Kino or two, man. Dude. You know, like, let's, let's analyze the scene. And that's even more frustrating is if you're doing what you're supposed to do, and this is where I start to let off some of the uh, the players in the room, is because in pre-production is when you look through a script and you're analyzing it and you're saying, here's the themes, here's the arc of the story, here's how we can support that with our choicing lenses, our camera angles, our camera movements. And here's how we can break that down scene by scene. And once we've painted that arc, we can look at the scene, you know, a third of the way into the movie and say, well, here's where we are in that scene. The character's still figuring out who he is. So maybe we shoot that, I don't know, with like a wide angle lens because he hasn't narrowed down his view in life. And you can start to thematically piece together what the movie's supposed to be. And when if you're analyzing the room, what are you supposed to pick up? What's the theme? No. So, okay. But all of these people, all these people are L.A. people <clears throat> who have been like, they're, yeah, oh, yeah. Can you finish that off, please? Yeah, I might as well. <clears throat> they're, okay, yeah, who, had, who have been desperate for roles, right? And, and they might be in different stages of <laughs> licking your fingers. <laughs> it's not running away. Uh, so, and they're at different stages of their careers, right? So... When you're first starting out, you're like you've never acted in anything, let's say, right? You are completely green and you get offered a role in a movie. You don't know what a wide angle lens is. You don't know about story plot. You just know I want to be in movies. 
I want to be in the movies, you know, uh, you know, there is a, are you all from your role? No, <laughs> I am. I, I want to write a screenplay and, or at least a short film on, on something, but, uh, and I will one day, but, but hell yeah. Uh, my point is, is that like, I'll bet a lot of these people, at least the actors had this like early on hunger. I mean, when I moved to LA, I was completely green. I had no, no idea what it really meant to be in a real touring band, you know, or to play with guys that studied at Berkeley and, and, you know, uh, uh, NYU and, and like these amazing places. Um, and so when I got in my first band where I was playing with cats like that, it melted me. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like, it was like a whole nother world. Right. And I grew up really fast, but if I was in a really crappy band that was touring, I'll do it. I would have done it. Absolutely, I would have done it, right? Because I didn't know my my ass from a guitar. Right? Yeah. I was just like, I wanted I want to play music. That was it. So, going back to when you when you first started, when you first were like, were like, yeah, I like movies. Maybe I should try acting. Hmm. And then you get, and then that script comes to you. Yes, there's no question. Right? Yeah, because you don't know you don't know what a necessarily bad is by reading it on a page. All you know, especially at the beginning, is. The the game is, and I was I had a rehearsal er, earlier today for a <laughs> uh, yeah damn it for a short film, <clears throat> and I'm working on the short film with seven female actresses, uh, women, and the one of them after the rehearsal wanted to ask me some questions after everybody left about getting an agent, and that was the thing. It was like you know what? Do you have a reel? And she was like, well, my reel is seven years old. Like, I haven't really even updated it. I, I don't have anything to update it with. Um, so I just, and she just wanted to use my name as a reference. And I was like, first of all, yes, absolutely. Like, I think you're wonderful and I, I heart you. Like, you're, you're amazing. Please, by all, my, by all means, use my name. But uh, that's not exactly how getting an agent works. It's not just, hey, call this director and he'll vouch for me. It's they need to see you in order to believe in you, in order to send you out. That's the way it should work. There are some casting agencies that are only interested in accumulating as many numbers and like an army. They just kind of send you out and they're just trying to make money off of, you know, the scattershot approach, which is kind of a shitty thing to do uh, with actors because you really shouldn't be putting your name on the line for people that you don't really believe in. Mm -hmm. And Whatever. People are trying to make a living. I'm not going to excuse it, but I'm not going to like outright con- uh, condemn it. And so it is important, like as a starting actor, to have something in your resume, even if it doesn't make it to your demo reel, to have something on your resume. And I fought that, man. Yeah. Whenever I, the first dozen roles that I got offered, I took. It didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, even as a screenwriter at that point, I, I was already a screenwriter before I was an actor. I knew the good ones from the bad ones and even the good scripts doesn't mean it's going to be a good film because you still have to account for who's the director, who's the editor and a million other things. Who am I acting against? Uh, even if I'm a good actor, which I wasn't at that point. Um, and maybe to, you know, maybe I'm still not, I don't know, but you know, you still don't know the whole picture just yet. Yeah. Uh, and so you take everything you can so that as a, at a minimum, if you don't have a demo reel, you can go to an agent and say, Hey, here's my, I have a resume. I've got speaking roles, you know, in yeah. a dozen films and good or bad. They don't really care. They just say, okay, you, you can book. That's what they see. Yeah. They see someone who can book auditions. 
So you you had an answer, Scott. Because you're an actor too. <clears throat> Sorry, I was, about, in, I was on the low. <laughs> about whether you would take a like, would you take? Would you t- have taken? Is there any point in your career where you have would have taken a role in a movie like The Room? Right. I mean, I, I guess it again it depends on my focus as a career. I mean, if you want to be as serious, but right. you know, like like you know nothing about filmmaking. Completely green. Yeah, completely green. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As a 19 year old, when I moved to LA, yeah, and I sort of wanted to continue to act. And if someone would have offered me a role, yeah, I probably wouldn't have understood the nuances of the script and like mm-hmm. what this would entail and you know the whole arcing of plots. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've just been arc. like, cool. Yeah, there's words. I mean, you per- you personally you could have gotten a role in the room. You could have got. It was exactly around that time, right? When right. when you moved, maybe it was a little, maybe it was a year before we got there when they started the film, right? You know. And I have cancer. <laughs> Which, Which never, never comes, comes up. up. <laughs> Just say it. Oh line. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's, as, yeah. as a 19-year-old, just moving to L.A., wanting to be in the pictures, hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I probably would have done it. Yeah. And wouldn't have known. And, I mean, and you wouldn't be sitting here right now because you'd, you'd, you know, be successful. Probably as a bad actor. As a bad actor. <laughs> uh, I, I I think that there's a lot of people out there that that say that they wouldn't, but probably secretly would um, if they were presented it. I mean, you know, even if it's a bad movie, like it's just the what where what movie was it? Maybe it was this. Maybe it was Disaster Artist. Like the worst day on set is still better than the best day not on set yeah the mom says that is that the mom the the actor the actor oh yes she says that right in the disaster artist who (laughs) welcome back the the cancer mom that i have breast cancer Uh, the worst day on the worst day on set is still better than the best day not on set that's true i don't remember that part but that is absolutely true they're all going around the table asking like why are you in this movie and she's like well i mean and she says that. She says that. There's nothing that really beats the experience of being on a, a production, uh, especially one with a budget, even though that was a terrible film, and they all knew it uh, while making it, right? They all understood this is not going to be good. Um, but I've worked on, I remember working, my only real big film that I ever worked on, even though I wasn't a big deal on the film, uh, was Friday the 13th. And it probably, I forget how much money it had in budget, but five, ten, twenty million, something like that. Not the original. Not the original, the oh, remake. Let's just say. I was about to say like, that would be crazy. What? Like, your parents are irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> you were like three. <laughs> but I was the uh, stand-in for Jason Voorhees, and that meant a lot of sitting around for me I, because uh, Derek Mears was the, the actor cast as Jason. First of all, this dude is huge, and I'm a tall guy, but I'm not, like, bulky. You're not going to see me competing in an Ironman competition anytime soon. You know? I'm not bulky. No, that's true. Oh, I, I said Ironman. What's the other thing? <laughs> Strongman? Tough Mudder? No. <laughs> uh, Spartan? American Gladiators. The documentary, oh, man. What's document- the documentary? Strongest, strong, strongest Man? Fittest Man Oh, oh the, yeah, the Fittest on Earth. Fittest on Earth. CrossFit. Fittest on CrossFit Earth. CrossFit Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that... <laughs> 
<laughs> they you're, and so but this guy's huge i remember waiting around on set and you could feel the first day on set you could feel the crew and the the cast the palpable tension of waiting for jason to arrive on set was huge and he does and i remember looking at this guy from like 150 yards away and thinking i'm gonna get fired <laughs> <laughs> when they realize how much bigger he yeah is than I, yeah i can't stand in for him um and I, but i didn't and ironically he was just the most amazing and sweetest guy on the set they usually are the bigger they are the sweeter crazy. they crazy like yeah. he was endearing he was never mean to me or uh, demeaning or condescending whatsoever yeah. um just a one of the best people i've ever met honestly and but he and to that end i mean i guess it makes sense that he also never left the the scene he never left the blocking like there was only two or three times whenever i got to do actually do the blocking for the scene um Every other thing, whether they're pulling focus or checking focus or checking, uh, you know, the gate, which this is back in 2008 where stuff wasn't completely digital yet. So when you're on set and you're shooting on film film, not on digital, they do a thing after at the end of a scene, they do a thing where they call check the gate. And that means uh, they're going to look inside the camera. They're going to open up the, the lens and check to make sure at the gate of the, where the film is passing over uh, behind the lens, they're going to make sure there's no hair, there's no dirt, there's nothing obstructing the view between the the, the film and what the film is seeing yeah. from the lens. And that way you can make sure, okay, we're good to go. This We didn't ruin anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, but usually at that point when they call check the gate, you know, that's when the stand-ins will go in because that could be, you know, a five-minute process. Uh, but I almost never maybe once over the course of a 60 day shoot did i ever have to go and actually stand in uh so for most of the time like i mean maybe four or five times i actually needed to stand in or if they were doing a b the b camera team uh once i actually got to wear the mask like that's how limited i was you know yeah, yeah, yeah. because this guy was just such a champion but you being on set still is the most incredible thing because I was working a full-time corporate job. Yeah, I remember that. I, it wasn't like I was working at a convenience store and I was like, hey, buddy, I need a day off. I was running like a, a million-dollar YouTube channel at the time. Yeah. And I would do that in the day and then maybe sleep. Well, no, I wouldn't sleep at that point. I would go straight to set from work. And then after work, wrapped after like 10 or 12 hours, I would sleep for an hour or two. Literally. I'm not exaggerating. And I would do this five days a week. And then on the weekends, I would just sleep the whole time. You could ask my, my roommate, Binov, the same guy from yeah, before. Yeah. And he would call me Zombie West throughout the week. Because after the second or third day, I was not even a human. <laughs> <laughs> and I would. I would do that just because being on set, she's right. It's There's nothing like it. Yeah. There's nothing like being around a creative environment with people. You imagine working at a construction site and one of those guys that's, laying rebar turns around and looks at you and says, have you seen the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie? <laughs> That's what it's like being on set. You have these, these roughnecks who are freaking gripping the heaviest crap, you know, on set, but they can tell you about PTA. Yeah. They can tell you about, you know, Spielberg's epic oneers. you know, they yeah. understand film and it's just the most incredible environment that unless you've experienced it, 
Yeah, and you probably wouldn't understand why someone would want to be on that kind of thing. Right? Yeah, because we've we've talked about this on the podcast, and you can speak to this too. There's it it, it amazes me the number of people it takes to actually make a movie. I mean, you know, you look at you look at at music, and I I kind of have equated this to music. So like music. You, you and I, Scott and Sean, we could go into a studio, just us three, and we could make an entire record. Yeah. Just us three. With no, no help from anybody. Now, it would be better if we had a producer. Sure. But we could, maybe not, maybe it wouldn't. But we could just do that ourselves. To make a film? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking, I mean, if you want to do it right with lighting and everything, you need grips, you need all, all of these people, and they all have to come together with the same vision. Um, so to me, it's so much harder to make a movie, um, good or bad, you know, and that goes, goes back to, to Greg's, uh, saying to Tommy, like, dude, you did this, you made this, you know? And when we listen, when I listen to our record, Scott and Sean, I'm so proud of that thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I messaged you guys the other day, uh, cause I hadn't listened to it in a while. Um, and I put it on, and because my kids love it, and I put it on just to listen to it, at, try to listen to it as someone you know that I hadn't listened to before, and I, and I love it. And I don't even I don't care if anybody else does, but I love it. And that, that's probably how Tommy feels. He just he loves it. He loved making it. The fact that he actually did is incredible. Um, and there's something to be said for that. I still give it a zero, but. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, you have a product. At the end of the day, you're yeah, judging yeah. the product. Yeah, exactly. And process. it's it's complete shit. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm proud of him as a human being. Um, but, but I will say, like, I'm still mad at him. We will put the link to the album uh, in the show notes so that if people want to hear it, they can hear it. Oh, yeah, um, sure. Because I completely agree. Like, I love that album too, and that's coming from someone who doesn't know music the way y'all know music and it's it's hard to make a record like a good record and that record took us a long time to do it and we put pretty much everything we had into it and it, and we're really proud of it and there's some good stuff on it yeah and we'll put a link to threads i mean maybe or maybe it's horrible because threads has uh, what three of the tracks yeah yeah three yeah oh yes so west directed a three-part <laughs> three-part uh uh video that we did to three different tracks from the record, and it's in, it's so good. It's probably one of the best things that I've said. Super that's the second time I've said that on. Because it tells a story. I mean, it's like a yeah. three-part song slash story that all revolves around each other. It's, yeah, it's which we did on a zero budget, good. too. <laughs> yeah. Literally in zero favors. budget. Yeah. 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 Because it's it was coming from the Office Zombies. Where we had no support, we had no like I said, we had actors holding the camera. Yeah, <laughs> you would never. I think find I actually that. held a camera at one point. You did. I did. It was me or you, or if we were both in the same shot. Yeah. We needed like Somebody. Aaron. Hey, Aaron, grab this. Yeah. Um, and going from that to and our our first music video that we did before that. Uh huh. Um, where we had still had no budget. Like I spent a. Two oh, yeah. or three hundred bucks on lenses, and you spent some money on feeding everybody, yeah. and that was it. <laughs> like we didn't have like oh, and we just uh, had our friends, right? We had our we had our friends. We had Shannon, you know, helping and an idea and an idea and a lot of research. I mean, we put a yeah, lot sure. of work into figuring out what we wanted to do, but that's all sweat equity. That's any anybody can do that. Yep. And then going from that to we're going to make a short film that 
opened up the entire universe to me because I saw this is what's possible when you have a crew of professionals who know what they're doing mm-hmm. and you give them room to do it. Yeah. Because if you, if you're hiring the right people, which, you know, whether it's you or your producer, your DP in our case, uh, RDP, uh, Andrew, Andrew Barrera. Barrera, who was co-directing as well. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing work. Uh, he, he knew all the crew. So he brought on most of the crew. We brought, you know, one or two people. We brought Shannon who mm-hmm. did, was our dit for the day yep. uh, for the weekend. And I saw suddenly like, okay, this is how amazing shit is made. Yeah. It's, it is a teamwork. Like, yeah, we can make a, a, a dozen office zombies, but we can never make it threads. Oh yeah. Just us. No Just way. Us. Yeah. No way. I mean, and you can see it like we're going to link to, to threads and we'll link to office zombies and granted, you know, one is dramatic and right. the other one is comedy, comedy, which you can get away with a lot with comedy. Yeah. 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 It can obviously, I mean, the room was comedy you know? and Scott just gave it a 10. So, <laughs> well, it was dramatic comedy, right? Well, uh, it depends. I mean, yeah. like he, he wasn't trying to make a comedy. Right. Yeah. He was trying to make a drama. Comedy. Became a comedy. And then, you know, went on. It, was a it, violent, it was a violent dramedy. Mm. <laughs> dramedy. Yeah. Um, what were you talking about? Is that, <laughs> does that mean it should be over? Well, just crew, say like aliens. the crew and everything. Like, but aliens. Oh, yeah, the crew. <laughs> but yeah, I do, I do remember, like, I mean, at, at the time when we did Threads, I'd been in some film, commercial, whatnot, but mm-hmm. not, not a ton. But just that's one of the first times I'd been a part of something that closely and seeing the crew act and, like, it was just like it became this whole, like, amoeba of stuff. And I was just, I was so impressed by what was happening. <laughs> and it just it was awesome it was yeah, awesome yeah. to see like the like a well knit crew and a lot of that the crew on that set knew each other mm-hmm. like they had all worked on oh, stuff yeah, together oh yeah they worked with Andrew yeah, right. a lot yeah. and just to see everyone just working pro bono for the most part like yeah. I, mean, I think everyone knew going into it that they were not getting paid yeah, yeah they they wanted stuff for their reels too yeah. mm-hmm. it was like this is passion project people you know yeah. call in favors and I'll do you a favor later which Andrew did all of like yeah. he called in all these favors and doled out a bunch of, you know, to be determined favors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just watching like how like amazing it was, like just everything was so sharp and fast and I could not believe we got through everything that quickly. Yeah. We it did. It's a 14 minute film. Yeah. That if you were to say, let's make a, one of these music videos because we did the pre-production for the first day of shooting Mm-hmm. We had already done that. And when we spec'd it out, we said, we can't make this film because we don't have the right gear because we can't afford it. Yeah. And so we had already done all the, all the homework. And then Andrew came in and he's like, I can do that. I got gear. I got gear. Yeah. I, got, I got crew even. And I was just like, and then y'all pitched us. I'll never forget that day whenever we were thinking about making, we're going to make this music video. And then you and Andrew called us up, Scott. And you said, actually, what do y'all think about making three? <laughs> were, we at, were we at Epoch? I think, I think so. we were at Epoch Coffee. Yeah. yeah. And you said that, and I was like, <laughs> I, my reaction was, what the? I, I, uh, okay, we might have bit off a little bit more than we could chew here. Uh, a bit ambitious. Yeah, it, it, completely ambitious. But, man, that's, I'm so glad that, that that was suggested. Yeah, and that's the thing that I try to keep in mind anytime I'm working on any project. And I, I met with some local filmmakers after we put out, uh, 
one of our last short films where we ended uh some by some oh, random man. accident uh a filmmaker saw it and a random guy i don't know saw it and he's like hey we should connect if you want to you know expand your your collaborators and i was like of course always uh, i'm terrible at networking and hopefully i like you <laughs> because if i don't there's no chance of us ever talking again <laughs> and we sat down he brought a dp and we were all sitting around talking and i said you know what the one thing i always look for is when i'm making a project does this scare me at all in any way if it doesn't that doesn't really excite me yeah. there's nothing i'm learning i'm just pulling from old tricks i don't want to pull from old tricks i want to learn new ones or create new ones and threads was absolutely terrifying yeah. <laughs> going from yeah, my knowledge of nothing all i knew is my vision i had an idea in my head and i knew moment to moment here's what this should look like here should here's how it fits together because i was an editor beforehand so i understood how things should work together in the edit and i just remember as an actor I, that was one of the things i went in with a goal of, I really want to work with my actors. I really want to be hands-on. And Andrew is just a freaking pro. He was already a pro at that point. Uh, and stepping in and getting to, to light and to work with, you know, all this camera, he was still amazing to work with because he would make sure that we were both on the same page because we were co-directing. Hmm. And he would say, hey, how's this frame look? And if I had an issue, I would let him know, like, hey, can we get more whatever light here? Or can we uh, reframe this in this way? And boom, done. That's what professionals do. It doesn't, not yeah. everything needs to be an argument. Right. And that was just a world changing event for me, uh, because I knew suddenly this is the way it should work with a team. Mm -hmm. And when I watch something like the disaster artist <laughs> and I'm seeing this guy refuse to work with his guys, why did you hire him? Why yeah. did you don't, why don't you trust these guys? Yeah. And if you don't, fire them and replace them. Yeah. Like, there's no excuse for making this movie because either your script is bad and everyone's doomed already, or you're a bad director and you're not allowing your crew to come to your aid. Because at the end of the day, you are, yes, you're calling the shots, but you're calling these people to your aid and they're supposed to be helping you. And if they're a bad crew, if they're a bad team, discard them. Or never hire him again. Th those are your only two options because you're going to be on the line. You're on the hook for whatever comes out of this. But let's also keep in mind, this is a guy who didn't rent his cameras. He bought them <laughs> two. outright. Two of them. Two cameras. A digital and a film. Correct. And he put them side by side next to each other and filmed them both at the same time. Yep. I'm not going to lie. I, after hearing that, I was like, that just can't be true. That's got to be hyperbole, right? Nope. I went on IMDb, and you can do this for any film. If you go on IMDb, there's an option called Technical Specifications. And if you click on that, you'll learn a bunch of information that most of it's probably going to be gibber, gibberish to you guys. But they shot on an Ariflex 35 uh, BL4, which that part doesn't mean much to me. Uh, but it's the 35, and I assume the, the 4 means it's pulling 4 for uh, perforations. So if you have a, a strip of 35 millimeter film, those little dots on the side, those are perforations. 
and four means you're getting as much resolution as you can because there's four perforations that are being pulled at a time in front of the uh, the camera lens so that you're exposing a very tall frame. Now, if you're on a budget, maybe you want to do three frames, three perforations, excuse me, not frames. Um, in that case, you're getting a wider picture, right? It's not as tall, but it's wider. Oh, gotcha. But you can squeeze a little bit more out of it that way, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you're really on a budget, you can do... I think you can do two perforations. Uh, a film recently was shot on two on two perf uh, called Good Time, and that saves you half the money, right? Yeah. Suddenly you can get twice the runtime off of your film, mm-hmm. and you can. Uh, you are way too good at doing math right now. <laughs> I, know. Well, I don't how, know. You don't know exactly what you're saying, but you just, you're just speaking from memory. It's like that moment out of that movie with Will Ferrell where he's like, "Where did I just go?" <laughs> 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 but uh, so I assume that they shot on four perforations so that you're getting the maximum lot of money. Can, yeah, more money, the most money you can shoot. <laughs> but then they also show you that they shot on a Panasonic HDX 900, which is nonsense to me. This is, if this was back in 2002, this probably means roughly the same thing that they shot uh, 28 days later on which is an all digital film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Boyle. And so, and I, I don't know if they used any of that digital footage in the, in the final, but there are points in the film that look like they have some weird, uh, rolling shutter or some kind of weird aberration happening in the frame. And I'm like, did they just arbitrarily decide to use the digital footage because him in the editing bay, I can't even imagine. Oh my God. How do you edit something like that? <laughs> And it, especially if he's sitting over your shoulder and he's saying, no, 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 use the digital. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, hi, Scott. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did not hit her. Okay. But they really did that, yeah. Man. Anywho. He really did that. Man, how honest. long has this he been? He did that. Uh, like 30 minutes. Time is just a Time is relative to you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a recommendation for the week? Uh, yes. Uh, and I lost it. We'll just arbitrarily end it Hang on. right there. No, wait a minute. I, I had something. Okay, good. I am drunk. I lost it. <laughs> I'm just a really good drunk. <laughs> you are really good. Man, I, I am, I'm a horrible drunk. You would have known I was drunk like 45 minutes ago. I wish I was an angry drunk. Like People get good oh, stories yeah, out of right? your misery. <laughs> You're like a nerdy drunk. Yeah, you're like talking about like all these. Yeah, you're a horrible, horrible person to be around when you're drunk. You're way too serious. Oh man, just don't get into the sad stories. I'll cry. Man, I was gonna. I had something. Hang on one second. Yeah, you go. What, was it what about your recommendation? Okay, what so you recommending. I'm recommending Gifted. I watched it earlier today, actually. Yeah. And it has Chris Evans, which is nice to see him in a serious film. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I like all the Marvel films, and I really do, I probably harp on, harp on them from time to time. But I do enjoy Marvel movies. But for him, it's kind of rough because he's a really good actor playing a very dry character. Captain America doesn't have this huge range of emotion. He's, he's your all-around Boy Scout. He's a good guy. And he's always you know, cheery and I don't know, he's kind of boring. What's interesting about Captain America is the moral dilemmas that he gets put into. He has to make these moral decisions that kind of make him decide what's, what's the right thing. What's the wrong thing. Uh, and 
And I think all superhero movies try to do that, but with him it's especially poignant because of his very character. Uh, the reason why he's Captain America is because of that, that worldview that he holds. Hmm. But it's ultimately boring. It's like Superman. Like you're just really super dry and boring to me because you only do the right thing. But here he finally gets to play like a, a regular guy that is dealing with uh, raising his sister's daughter. And it's full of subtlety, great, excellent writing, which contrasts perfectly with the room because the room was trying to deliver every scene is meaningful and epic and is trying to be very important at every phase, which means nothing is important, right? If everyone's special, no one's special. Mm -hmm. And it runs into that, you know, guillotine or buzzsaw. But Gifted is full of these moments that this guy is battling with this other person, but he still sees this other person for who they are in his life. And so you can step back from this movie and say, I understand why he's reacting this way because it, it's, it's logical. There's a strong internal story logic that's happening um, because we're all people and we can understand empathetically why people respond the way they do, even in the face of really shitty advert, you know, adversity. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Gifted. Great. Great performances. Really good story. Some really strong heartfelt moments for sure. Awesome. Uh, All right. I'm going to recommend Jim and Andy, the great beyond. Uh, It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's documentary about uh, Jim Carrey playing uh, Andy Kaufman in man and the moon. And um, he had a crew uh, follow him around back, behind the scenes of that film. And the interesting thing was that the studio would not let him release it for like 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And so, and finally they, I don't know if they allowed him to, or he just said, F it, I'm going to release it anyway. Uh, but he turned it into a documentary about the making of it. And if you've followed Jim Carrey throughout his career, uh, he's completely, I, I don't know that he's a different person, but he's really come into the person that he maybe always was, I don't know, but he's an artist now. He's a painter. He's very introspective. Um, and he, he's amazing. Uh, and, and this documentary is amazing and he never broke character and you're eating the pop filter, (laughs) literally eating it. (laughs) Uh, anyway, yeah. So check it out. It's on Netflix right now, streaming Jim and Andy, the great beyond and Scott. I'm putting you on the uh, spot. Uh, aside from the disaster artist, which you should see, sure, yeah, that could be the it. Room, it's amazing. Uh, it really is amazing. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, like I, I was going to go into something else, but no, the disaster artist. It's great. Like, I mean, you're watching the room, sort of, which is horrible, but like, it's also like very heartfelt, and you get to watch these guys that just want to be like these actors. But are getting shot down by Hollywood, which I'm sure no one knows about. <laughs> no, like all of us that have ever tried to act in Hollywood know yeah. this. It's hard. It's it's like literally impossible. And these guys just made it. They just did it. Uh, aside from that, uh, I've been watching The Crown, which is brilliant. Is that good? I haven't watched it. Phenomenal. Okay. Uh, second season literally came out today, I think. And man, Ooh. the way they just turn like very simple kind of low-key moments into this just suspenseful, heartfelt, pulsing things. Obviously, with Hans Zimmer doing the music helps, but it's amazing. Watch it on I didn't realize Hans Zimmer was doing the music for that. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's okay, intense. yeah. Yeah, the uh, season two is out now. Yeah. 
It's beautifully shot, too. Cinematography is so pretty. Okay, cool. So with great trepidation, I ask, <laughs> Sean, do you have a recommendation? <laughs> the look he just shot at. Good morning. Yeah, what, yeah, hello. Don't grip the mic. You might want to hold the stand. Yeah. There you go. I'm not sure that there is <laughs> an accurate representation of both the trials and tribulations of existence. <laughs> uh, what what film would you like to recommend? <laughs> Again, I am not sure there exists an accurate representation of the trials and tribulations of true existence. Good night, John. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, there's no better way to end that. Is that the quote we end with? I think I think he recommended Cosmos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh, you have a yeah. So if uh, next week we're doing Never Let Me Go, mm. but for those who are interested, we are filming this wildly out of order. Like, yes, this is episode 28, but we like last night recorded. I don't know. I'm drunk right now. What what did we record last night? The movie with the thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we did um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Force Awakens. Yes, yes, yes. So we're like several weeks ahead of schedule right, in right. one way, but mm. weeks behind. But wait a minute. No, we're okay. You mean the New Hope? This is episode 28. Right. Yeah. We got to do Looper and Star Wars: The Last Jedi first. Oh, and then we're gonna do yeah. And then this airs. So right. we're like crazy out of order yeah so wait what are you talking about oh because so we're after this we're gonna do we're doing never let me go oh my gosh yeah which is like miles away i had to think of something have we broken two hours yet no oh no no we're not even close okay good yeah we're like Um, 35 minutes now okay (laughs) (laughs) uh okay great yeah so so tune in next week never let me go is amazing uh i'll give you a little foreshadowing i guess they filmed this on three different Film stocks. They shoot this on film, but they use three different film stocks. And I'll tell you about that next week if you want to tune in and and why they did that. I think is absolutely incredible. This is one of my favorite movies based on based on a book. And this is Alex Garland who adapted the novel to a script. Yeah. Who did Ex Machina and Sunshine, Twenty Days Later, The Beach. Garland guy. is the is is the guy from uh, 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 Facebook movie. No. Alex Garland? Alex Garland was a screenwriter behind No, um oh, That's Aaron Sorkin. No, I'm not I'm not I'm talking about the actor. Oh. Spider-Man? Garfield. Uh, Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh right, right. Yeah, hey, I'm yeah, drunk yeah. for you. Right. <laughs> Jeez, they're like Andrew Garfield, yes, is in Never in, Let Me Go. Uh, and he's social network. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Uh, drop us a note if there's a show or something you want us to cover, or if you want to talk about The Room in a way that we didn't cover, because let's face <laughs> it, we covered very little of The Room, <laughs> yeah. but you can drop us no, a note. We, I think we covered a lot of it. In I mean, way, not much not to cover, details. so I there's think no, we did pretty good. There's no detail. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> there's four sex scenes in the whole thing, and then, you know, stuff happens. And that's, a lot of Tommy there you go. We've covered ass the room. crack. Yeah. A lot of football. You can drop us a note at thepestlepodcast.com slash the room if there's something you'd like to talk about. And we'll we'll like respond to you. That's yeah. a fun back and forth. I know Joe is a, as fond of you know posting on the website, but it's really fun. I enjoy kind of the back and forth because sometimes you know we screw something up or 
we overlook something. Yeah. Um, Troll us. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. What are we going to do for the quote of the day? Oh, this is... So, in keeping with the room, the room is just awful, right? But... Best bad movie. It's the best bad movie. But what's amazing about The Room is it's kind of the poster child for all of artists and all creators who are trying to do something out of their wheelhouse. Whenever you're exploring something, you're trying to figure something out, this is ultimately what you're dealing with. Yeah. Nobody uh, tells people who are beginners, and I really wish somebody had told this to me, is that um, all of us who do creative work, like, you know, we get into it. And we get into it because we have good taste. But it's like there's a gap that for the first couple of years that you're making stuff, what you're making isn't so good, okay? It's not that great. It's, it's, it's trying to be good. It has ambition to be good, but it's not quite that good. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, your taste is still killer. And your taste is good enough that you can tell that what you're making is kind of a disappointment to you. You know what I mean? A lot of people never get past that phase. A lot of people at that point, they quit. And the thing I would just like say to you with all my heart is that m most everybody I know who does interesting creative work, they went through a phase of years where they had really good taste, they could tell what they were making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it felt short. It didn't have this special thing that we wanted it to have. And the thing I would say to you is everybody goes through that. And for you to go through it, if you're going through it right now, if you're just getting out of that phase, you've got to know it's totally normal. And the most important possible thing you could do is do a lot of work. Do a huge volume of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week or every month you know you're going to finish one story. Because it's only by actually going through a volume of work that you're actually going to ca catch up and close that gap. And your, the work you're making will be as good as your ambitions. In my case... Like, I, I took longer to figure out how to do this than anybody I've ever met. It takes a while. It's going to take you a while. It's normal to take a while, and you just have to fight your way through that. Okay? So that's Ira Glass. Oh, so good. Who, if you don't know who Ira Glass is, he's a producer for NPR for this thing called This American Life which has become a really big touchstone for anybody who likes podcasting or NPR in general. Like he was NPR before podcasting was really a thing. And in case you didn't hear it, I'll kind of blow through it real quick again. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me, all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. But for the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out or you are still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Because every time I, w I create something that I think, damn it, this isn't what I wanted it to be. This isn't the encouragement I kind of go to. I don't look at Spielberg, who was amazing from day one. Go watch Jaws or Duel. 
you know, his yeah. TV movie and say that he was terrible ever. <laughs> like he was amazing. Go watch the movies he made as a, like a kid, as a teenager. And he was doing incredible things. Like watch the documentary on HBO of Spielberg. And you'll say some people are just amazing at what they do always. And you'll be discouraged. But if you listen to this quote and you understand the, the, the impetus that is on us to just keep going, like mm-hmm. we got into being actors, into musicians, into writers and filmmakers because we understand there's this goal, there's this higher thing that we're aiming for. And even if we're not there yet, we still have that goal in mind. And it's just a matter of the process, the creative process of doing it over and over and over again, that you start to close that gap. And before you know it, even if I don't want to be Spielberg, I'm not always a fan of what he does, but I understand how master of his craft that he is. And I just want to keep pushing until I close that gap between what I'm, what I'm wanting to do and what I'm capable of doing. That yeah. gap begins to shrink the more you work at it. Yeah. And I'm just going to, and every time I fail, every time I create something and I look at it and I say, Oh, here's what I would have done differently. And you know me, Todd. Uh, you know the, the neuroses that I go through when I'm creating. Yeah. Uh, from day one, right? Mm-hmm. The first time we started talking about making that music video, uh, for Language Room, you, you saw how, and even after we went through the, the, the creative phase, of deciding, oh, this is what it's going to be. You saw like how neurotic I was about figuring out here's the way it's going to be. Uh, we still need to work out this, this, and this, and this, and this. Yeah. And that's just a part of the game. That's the part of figuring out, okay, if I plan as much as I possibly can and it still doesn't go according to plan, what did I learn from that? That's all it is. It's just a learning phase. And that's just because you understand what's good and what's not good you're holding yourself accountable the people that don't hold themselves accountable which tommy wizzo is probably not someone who understands that the room is bad no right he so this quote doesn't go towards him because he he talks ira talks about your taste right is killer Mm -hmm. ah right maybe not with everybody maybe not with everybody but for a for lot most. of the people, yeah. Like, you yeah. know what amazing music is. Yeah. You know what great film is mm-hmm. and great acting. Mm-hmm. Like, those are all things that you do, and you do them very well. It doesn't mean that I can do them to the caliber of what I'd like to do them yeah. at. But, uh, I, yeah, I've always loved this quote. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and, and the first time I heard it, I think you showed it to me, and I just fell in love with it. And I'm glad you reminded me of it right now, you know? Uh it just goes to show you that, like you said, you, there, yes, there are people that just are always, you know, amazing at what they do. But you need to aspire to be to to be as good as them, but not not put yourself next to them, right? So if I'm if if I want to if I want to win an Ironman, I I I cannot look at the guys that win and just say. I want to, I want to be that guy. No, I need to get there my own way by doing the work that I want to, that I need to do to get there, putting in the hours, uh, you know, on every single day to do that. Um, and if I never do that, or if I, if I, if I don't do that to the caliber that I, that I know that I'm capable of, then I'll never get to that point, you know? And the also let's, let's also be honest here. I may never get to that point. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's also 
a love of the process. Yeah. If you love the process of not necessarily failing, uh, but the process of trying yeah that you know of of putting yourself in a place where you're uncomfortable and getting comfortable with that comfortable with being uncomfortable which is what i do every single day uh but you know to a very uncomfortable point and then all of a sudden you know normal is super easy and it's not as appealing to you you know so like you said if something doesn't a project doesn't scare you you're not interested in it now because you want to get something out of it. You want to learn something from it. Right. Uh, same thing with what he's saying. It's just, it's, if you have, a, if you have this passion, if you have this love, don't let anybody tell you not to do it. Look at Tommy. Everybody told him this is a horrible movie. People on the set told him it's a horrible movie. Everybody after it told him it's a horrible Everybody today still says this is a horrible movie, and he's taken that all the way to the bank. And he is a success. And we're talking, we're doing a podcast on the guy, you know? And it, it came, a, it, his success came a different way than he thought it might, but it came. It came. He, like you said, he's, he just did it. He did it. He took it to the bank. He's, he's, making money hand over fist now because like you said not only are we talking about him there was a book written about him there's a film made about him yeah. by like big hollywood stars mm -hmm. they said this is interesting we want to we want to make a whole film about this and i'm sure it's doing really well in the box office and which is probably still another way that he's making money off of yeah. it yeah like in a thousand different ways and my favorite thing that I remember I ran a marathon three years ago. It's the only marathon I'll probably ever do. <laughs> no, I'm going to get you doing it. <laughs> you're, you, you probably will yeah. because you're the reason I did the first one. <laughs> there you go. And I remember looking on Facebook uh, at that thread of that uh, the Austin marathon. And there was this picture of the last guy crossing. And there was this commenter. And he said, what do you call the last person to finish a marathon? A marathoner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It doesn't matter as long as you don't quit. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. It's, I mean, it's a, in all creative endeavor, it's, it's a game of last man standing. Yeah. Um, whether that's music or movies or, I mean, it doesn't even have to be creative in business, you know, in, 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 in life in general, just, just don't stop. I mean, I, I like to I like to compare it to sharks swimming. Sharks are always swimming because if they stop, they die. Yeah, they drown because water isn't passing through their gills. That is a great metaphor for life. You are a shark in the ocean. You're not a minnow. You're not just a fish. You're not whatever. You are a fucking shark. So don't stop swimming. Awesome. Yeah. For an end with that. How's that? I love it, man. This has been fun. This has been it a is, lot of fun, and it's fun. been it's it's been great because we lost our guests. Yeah, our Uber go. came. It's only ten thirty. I know, right? It's usually it's like an hour and a half earlier than when we usually end. And I'm really drunk right now. Yeah, it's, I love. Honestly, I yeah. had a blast. This has been my favorite one that we've done so far. This is awesome. Which also pisses me off because it's the room. <laughs> Why is everything so good around the room? I don't get it. Ah. Oh, man. I don't know. You guys tell us what you think of this. Uh, I mean, is this a new format for us? <laughs> what? Are we going to have to start spending money on alcohol every time we do one of these episodes? 
Oh, man. No, no, I think this is a good one-off, and, and we'll be good. But, uh, no, it's been fun. Thank you for for doing the uh, the experiment here. My pleasure. You you hold your liquor really well. We'll see. I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how drunk you actually are, but you're holding it together. You probably don't want me driving you to the store. <laughs> <laughs> That's drunk enough, then. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to thank Sean and Scott for being on with us, uh, guys. Yeah, tell your Uber driver thanks for showing up early. Yeah. Um, and thank you guys for listening and, and being with us tonight. And stick around next week when we do. Never let me go. Never let me go. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy that one. That one's gonna be fun. Uh, but until then, I'm Todd. I am Wes. Go watch the movies. <laughs> <laughs>